This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by young Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, a little bit different of a podcast than we're used to doing. I know a lot of you are probably excited for the bowl games that just got announced this past weekend, but I'm going to take you guys through really quickly. It's kind of a rough idea of what me and Brandon are thinking about. Tonight, we're going to do something different, talk about some different topics, get to who we think is going to win the Heisman. That's going to be the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Next week, we're going to do our full bowl season preview. Look at all the bowls ending with those semifinals and our prediction for the national championship. Then we will get into playoffs later the week of that. So kind of just a December outline for you. But like I said, the big topic today is that Heisman. Who's going to win it? We've got the finalists. We're going to get to that later because Brandon, I've got a bitch about something. And you know me. I love to bitch about stuff. And you always do. I... (laughs) After this weekend of college football games, I am still furious at how that ACC championship game ended. Furious with how it ended. That was not an offsides kick or offsides on the Tar Heels on that kick. There was no way that that penalty should have been called when it did. Tar Heels should have had a chance to win the game, and more importantly, I'm going to throw this out there, Brandon. Why the hell, and this kind of piggybacks off of what happened in the NFL with that Green Bay-Detroit game, why the hell in football don't we have it to where, I'm just saying, under two minutes, under two minutes, if there's a penalty that the booth goes, eh, you know what, that may not be a penalty, why can't we make it a rule where the booth buzzes down to the head referee and says, hey, take a second look at that. We we do it if there's a mistake about, oh, well, did he catch the ball or did he catch it or not? We make it if the ref makes a bad call on that. Why the hell can't we challenge? under All I'm asking for is under two minutes in, let's say, a close game. So it would be a booth decision. Why can't we do the same for bad bonehead penalties? Why? Well, yeah, it really doesn't make any sense, especially since we do it for a million other things anyways. If you want to, and if the league, NCAA, or even NFL, say they want to get the call right, well, how committed to that are you? Are you only committed 75% of the time or you commit it all the time. And I think that on something like that in a game that absolutely matters and, and, and people could say, you know, every game matters and whether it be game one, game 14, it doesn't matter because they're all important and they could all have some huge significance. A loss is a loss. And on the other side, a win is a win. And one looks really bad. One could look really good. I think that the NCAA, what they really need to do 
is they really need to take a look at how they review plays. And I think that you're right in the sense of if there's under two minutes in a game, you should be able to review, I won't say everything, but most things. The only thing that that does is it opens up the door then for people to say, why two minutes? What if there's a big penalty that happens with 10 minutes left? But it could have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. And people will. What happens then? And that's the problem. Do we completely expand replay? I mean, we're really getting to a point. Really getting to a point. In 15 years, in 10, 15 years, where are referees going to be? Right now we have, and and umpires if you want to talk baseball, but we're, talking, we're talking football right now. Right now we have extra referees. By that time, are we going to have maybe two to three refs with a huge automated system that tells you whether it's a penalty, not a penalty, on or you know a catch, not a catch on all these different plays? I mean, what what is it? Are referees ultimately going to be fizzled out of the game by by automation and replay? But at the very end. And basically what I'm talking about here is that if you want to get it right, then do everything you possibly Mm -hmm. can do to get it right. Don't half-ass it. There's enough of that in this world. Get it right. Go, go Go the extra yard if you need to. The reason why I say under two minutes and not like kind of go off of what you said where, oh, well, what if it happens? With 10 minutes left, if that kind of a penalty, like if we're putting the situation that happened well under two minutes in that game, if we're putting that with 10 minutes on the clock, number one, you may be saying to yourself, well, why the hell are the Tar Heels kicking an onside kick with 10 minutes left? Who do they think they are? Sean Payton to open up half number two of the Super Bowl. But if that does happen and we have that situation with 10 minutes left, my thought to it would be, okay, you got 10 minutes to overcome that mistake. In this situation, the game was over. If Clemson recovered it, the game was over. And the football gods almost, almost did the right thing. To me, I'm going to say did the right thing because the Tar Heels almost got the ball on the second onside kick, Brandon. They almost got it again. Clemson almost gave it to them again. But the reason why I say under two minutes is within that time, once you get under two minutes, it's much easier for a team to get a first down or two if the team has all uh, the opposing team has all their timeouts, get those first downs, waste the other team's timeout, and then just ice the game with a couple of kneels or victory formations, however you want to call it. So that's why I would say under two minutes. My first thought, this was right after well, right after the game, I put officialing mistakes need to be reviewable under two minutes in close games. Notice how I said in close games. This is ridiculous. 
And one more I want to read. I understand, like, I even said that I understand that refs make mistakes. They're humans. But these kids just got robbed of their chance. The Tar Heels got robbed of their chance to win this game. I'm not going to say that North Carolina was going to drive down the field and they were going to score the best touchdown that you've ever seen in your life. But they got robbed of their chance and we got robbed as football fans of the chance to see one of the greatest endings in college football this past weekend. Because let's be honest, win or lose, if you're you're telling me that a play on the final seconds as time expires of this game, pass to the end zone from North Carolina, if it's a catch, if it's not a catch, let's say the defender bats it away, it's still the best game of the weekend. We're still talking, that play happens, we're talking about, wow, this was What kind of a great game was this? No, instead we're talking about how the refs were pieces of shit in this game and stole from not just these kids, but from us as football fans, from everybody. So who's it the bigger loss for? The team itself? Everybody. Or us, the fans? Everybody. Everybody loses. I'd say it's us, the the fans. You want to know why? The fans, the kids, everybody. You want to know why it's the fans? Because of what you said. Because of the fact that if... The people are watching that game, and more people would be tuning in to watch that game. And that game was ending after the Big Ten. So then that's getting ratings, which is good. And then we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be tweeting about it. It's giving good promotion to North Carolina. It's giving good promotion to college football. The ACC. I believe that it's the biggest loss for us, the fans. That's what I think, because... Because of the reasons that I just gave you. I mean, it's it's something that we would have been talking about for a very long time, no matter what. But either way, it's still a game we're talking about for a really long time. And this just unfor- the fir- It's just unfortunate for that referee now. And this isn't the first time that this has happened in the ACC. It's not the first this time. This year. This year. It's just, and I mean... I'm going to sound hypocritical when I say this, but I don't care at this point. Now, in the Miami-Duke game, was I as frustrated as I am now with the bad call of the knee not being down? No. Because if I'm looking at it as a fan, it gave us one of the best finishes to a game that we are seeing this year. Was it the wrong call? Absolutely, you betcha. But as a fan, I'm sitting there going, man, I'd rather the game end like that than up, his knee was down, game over. But in this case, it was, I just, I can't not, like, I can't even fathom to believe what this game would be like if we got to see that, that final drive by North Carolina, because it's like Fedora said after the game, we're doing pretty good. I think we'd have a chance to make a drive to win that game. And I am going to say this right now. This is maybe the only thing we touch on in the playoff, because I do want to leave it for when we get close to the game. But I got 
Just I, I can't leave this alone, Brandon. I said this yesterday. This is a tweet that I sent out. That Orange Bowl game is going to be good. I think there's a good chance Oklahoma upsets Clemson. After what I saw in that ACC championship game, there and what I've seen from Oklahoma the last few games, yeah, they lost to Texas, but ever since they've lost to Texas, they've looked like a different team over the past few weeks. There's a good shot. Number one goes down in the Orange Bowl in the semifinals to a walk-on in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think you got something something cooking right there, Ricky, honestly. Now, I thought you were going to say I got some gears loose because usually that's what you tell me. Well, I, I do believe you <laughs> still have some gears loose and may need to get that checked out. But on this one, you're, you're on to something because we've seen what Oklahoma's done the last couple of weeks. Explosive offense. It's what the Big 12 brings. If they didn't have that, they wouldn't have a team. I think for Clemson, they've been in some dogfights the last couple of weeks. You just saw this past game, North Carolina. How about South Carolina? How about that game? Real, real close game. 37-32. Too close against North Carolina. Pardon me, against South Carolina. Also, too close against North Carolina. The way that Clemson had that game at one point in the second half, they looked like they were going to win comfortably. North Carolina is a very good team, but Clemson, the defense, where was that defense? They didn't, they didn't really show it. They didn't really show it this past weekend. So it's not going to be, I don't think, in the game with Oklahoma and Clemson, what defense shows up, it's can Clemson keep up with that Oklahoma offense? And right now, I don't know if they can. It will be very interesting, but it will be whose offense comes to play and comes to play very well. You know what we could be talking about after the semifinals this year? We could be asking the question of... Because last year, you look at it, who lost to who? Ohio State beat Alabama, the four over the one. Well, who's the four this year? Oklahoma. Who's number one? Clemson. I I put my money on it. If Oklahoma wins in that Orange Bowl game, me and you, the podcast after the semifinal games, we are asking ourselves the question for next year, is it better not to be number one? Because in our first two college football playoffs, the number one team wouldn't have even gotten to the championship. So is it better not to be the number one team? Well, how about that's what I feel like we could be asking that podcast after that game. Well, how about this? Yeah, I do think it's better not to be the number one. And and and, and I, I <laughs> you're gonna laugh at me because that's how I think. When I go into my fantasy football playoffs, you don't want to go in as the top dog. Want to know why? They're all gunning for the top dog. You want to be about a two, three, four. You know? I mean, even at two, it's still kind of, eh, but a two's okay. 
But at number one, I don't I don't want to be the number one. I just don't. I would much rather be the three or the four. I really would. I that probably makes no sense to some people, but others may be like, yep, I'm right there with you. But that's how I see it. The number one seed, you have a target on your back already. But then also, I think there's that added pressure of having number one going into, into any playoffs. You know, I think it's because you already know people are coming for you, but you put the extra pressure on yourself as number one. If you lose, your season was for nothing. You know, that's the thinking. Oh, if we lose, you know, what did we come here for? A number four, they're going... Gosh dang, glad we made it. Wasn't a lost season, still want to win it. Well, but if we don't, we were still we still got there. You know? Mm-hmm. We still got there at least. For number one, it's like we held this spot in every ranking, in every playoff ranking that came out, and we lose. And if they lose badly, it makes it even worse. And they're like, forget it. Well, and Wasn't way, a good season. The way I kind of see these four teams is... Clemson, to me, has the obviously the most pressure on them because, oh, we're undefeated. We haven't lost yet. Is that loss coming? Alabama lost that game to Old Miss, has looked like a freight train ever since. They just haven't let up. And, I mean, I expected Florida to put up a bigger fight, maybe not as much after their game against the Seminoles and Florida State, but Michigan State... Were they the favorite? I mean, they were the, and I'm using air quotes, favorite to win the Big Ten championship game. But let's be honest. Iowa was undefeated. I'm going to get to Iowa in a second. And the choice words that Colin Cowherd had to say about them. But they had to beat an undefeated team to get into the playoff. Oklahoma, they're just happy to be there because what happened last year? A one two one loss Big Twelve teams were left out of the conversation. This year, Oklahoma, who already has a loss, got into the conversation. Now, to be honest, the Big Twelve should not feel too happy about itself because let's be honest, the only reason they got into the playoff is Notre Dame lost at least two games. And Stanford lost at least two games. Last year, we had Oregon, who was on a roll. Notre Dame this year, if they don't lose to Stanford, let's be honest, it's they're the number three or four team in this playoff. We're probably getting a rematch of Notre Dame-Clemson in the Orange Bowl if Notre Dame beats Stanford. But because of how all the dominoes fell this year, Oklahoma was able to punch their ticket into the college football playoff. And that's why a team like Oklahoma, I'm not going to say they're going to win it all because honestly, if I, I'm not making a prediction right now, but the team I would lean with is Alabama. And I'll tell you why when we get, cause you're smart. Cause when we get, cause to the, you're smart. Cause when we get to the end of this podcast, I'll let you know. Cause one of the main reasons is what we're talking about in this podcast, but I don't know. I don't. I'll tell you this for sure. Clemson's not winning the national championship, and Dabo Sweeney is going to be paying for a hundred thousand dollars worth of pizza for 
Clemson fans for nothing. How about this? Maybe since Oklahoma's in the playoff, the Big 12 can stop crying about Big 12 teams being, you know, left in the dust. You know, how how about that? Well, they need to give us more of a reason to put them in there. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the, in the scenarios that you pointed out right there, Ricky, Oklahoma should be quite happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And trust me, they are. Oh, and I don't think the one thing that I'm thinking is Oklahoma's not going to take it for granted or be like, oh, well, woo, thank God we got in. We can kind of rest on our laurels now. No, they're going to be the team that I'm going to say fights the hardest. The dark horse? In this college football playoff. Maybe. Maybe. I would put more Michigan State to me as more of a dark horse eh. than Oklahoma. And the reason being is everyone expects, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone outside of the city of Lansing, Michigan, expects the Spartans to lose to Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. Whereas, look at what we saw last year in Ohio State. The number four seed, boom, right to the national title game. Could happen again. But but listen to this. Nick Saban's got his guys ready. They know what happened last year. He sure as hell knows what happened mm-hmm. last year. And that's why I just don't know if that happens again. I think that would be pure luck if it happened again. It'd be hard, hard to see it happening. But if it happened in two times in a row, then, Ricky, maybe I would throw it over to you and say, Ricky, maybe Nick Saban would consider going somewhere else. But that's the only way. What if the Spartans beat him is what you're saying? Yeah, because it would be two back-to-back years where Saban's boys didn't make it to the national championship game when they most likely should have and were favored to do so. I think he would start thinking, hey, I keep going and I keep not getting there. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. That would be interesting. Yeah, uh, however, I don't like I don't know if Alabama. I don't want to give them the kiss of death quite yet. However, I will say that I don't think that they will lose. To Michigan State, because let's be honest, Michigan State had to go through a lot of emotion just to beat Iowa. But one thing before we get to that Iowa team that I want to bring up, I saw an article on Sports Illustrated today, and I wanted to bring this up on the podcast as soon as I saw it. The headline reads, the headline reads, Big Ten Amendment could prevent Big 12 championship game Proposal And basically what that means is the Big 12 had a proposal to the NCAA saying, hey, I don't think it's fair that we should have to add two more teams in order to have a conference championship game. They're saying, hey, why not just apparently they had a proposal to the NCAA that, hey, with 12 teams, we could have a conference championship game. Let us have one. And then they'd get one in 2016. However, the Big Ten has submitted a last second. They submitted a last second amendment in November. And it was 
They filed the amendment to the proposal, proposal worried about unintended consequences from allowing even more diverse scheduling. So basically right now when they ask the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, he told ESPN.com, you know what? This, this is what he exactly said. I won't slur his words. Here's what he said, and a quote. We're trying to work our way through it, but I'm less certain of of the outcome than I was before. We don't think we ought to be forced to adding schools in order to have a conference championship game, but it could end up that way, end quote. So it looks like the Big 12, I mean, if Oklahoma does well and wins, that may force them to say, hey, we got to add some teams so we can get a conference championship so that we can get teams consistently into the college football playoff. Because what was the big talk coming into this last weekend, Brandon, about Stanford? Oh, would a two-loss Stanford be able to jump Oklahoma because they're the Pac-12 title winner? How do you stop that if you're the Big 12? You get a conference championship game. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the Big 12 is going to wake up, though. That's the problem. Well, it sounds like they're waking up. They already had the proposal saying, hey, why can't we just have the 12 teams we have now and have a conference championship game? Because their whole thing is, why do we have to add to our conference if we can have six and six? Whereas the Big Ten kind of being a little douchey here in my mind saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think you got to add those two teams. Here's an amendment because, as it says here in the article, and I quote, worried about unintended consequences from allowing even more diverse scheduling. And that diverse scheduling is, hey, we don't have to play as many conference games as you do, so we can do a little bit different things in our non-conference. Or, for example, what Big 12 game did we have this weekend? Baylor-Texas, which was a normal conference game while everyone else played their conference championship. So I think the Big 10, like I said, being a little douchey, they could just let the Big 12 have their conference championship game and we can all be happy. However, I've said it before. And some of you out there have said, well, Ricky, they'd get destroyed. I'm not too sure. There are teams out there like Houston, Navy. I would have said Memphis, but Memphis kind of fall, fell off at the end. Maybe Temple. Notre Dame's sitting there as a, well, they're more connected to the ACC. But there are teams out there that the Big 12 could go, hey, come on. Want to join our conference? And they could easily get to 14. Are we talking diluting a conference at that point? You could make that point. However, there are teams out there that I feel like there's two teams out there that would say yes and join the Big 12 in a heartbeat. And your two teams are? I would say Houston. I would go for Houston and Navy. Try to destroy the American. Because who? you can get behind this, Brandon. Who cares about the group of five, right? Yeah, I mean, thank goodness uh, and you if finally saw and the light. H- and Houston, were, and the reason why I say that is Houston works because it's in Texas. Baylor, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech. 
Texas A&M used to be in the Big 12. The Big 12 is a Texas-Oklahoma kind of conference. And then you could say, okay, well, Navy, Maryland, you already have West Virginia who's in the same area. So it's not out of the question to add a team like Navy either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Plus, they did good this year. They can add some competitive value to their to your conference. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know why anyone would stand in the way of them trying to do things without adding any more teams. It doesn't make sense. You to could me. have six and six in my mind. Because let's be honest, Kansas is still going to suck. Iowa State's still going to suck. It doesn't really matter. And I mean, I guess what you could really do if you wanted to was I would have Oklahoma. Eh. You know what? This may sound a little lopsided, but Baylor and Texas have to be in the same div- in the same division. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have to, obviously. I would have all four Texas teams in the same side of the division. And honestly, I would put Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in there too. So there's your six. And then you have West Virginia, Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas. Actually move a team over, maybe like Texas Tech over. So you have evenness. But you've got, to me, you've got to have the Texas teams stick together and you've got to have the Oklahoma teams stick together. Yeah, I think you're right. That makes sense. I would do that too. I just, I think that moving forward, what you have to do is you want to make things, you want to have continuity. You know what I mean? You know, if one, if one conference has got the uh, championship game, the conference championship game, they all need to have it. I don't know how that's that difficult, mm-hmm. but they all need to. And my math was off. I was saying six and six, five and five, because there's only ten teams. So here's my final revision. Yeah, I was just kind of letting you go. With here's, that one. here's my final revision. There's four Texas teams. You have those four Texas teams and Iowa State. On the other side, you have both Oklahoma teams both Kansas teams, and West Virginia. So you use West Virginia and Iowa State as those filler teams and then kind of fill in. I'm going to throw something out here to kind of lead us into a topic I've been teasing. Is there a chance that maybe the Big 12 goes, hey, you know what, Big 10, you tried to uh, block this? How about we go after one of your own? Iowa, they don't respect you. Come play with your in-state rival here in the Big 12. Then we can make the Iowa-Iowa State game a conference game every year, and you wouldn't have to schedule it as a non-conference game. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I would not be okay with it because Iowa's not a Big 12 team. But no one saw Nebraska as a Big Ten team. They were they had been one of the staples in the Big Twelve for years. Same with Missouri until they left for the SEC. I can see Nebraska. I can more so see Nebraska Big Ten than I can see Iowa Big Twelve because Iowa is more Midwestern than 
I was more Midwestern. Iowa is the Midwest. No, I'm saying it's more Midwestern than like Texas, Oklahoma area. Which yeah, to me, why I mean, is Texas uh, is to in, me, in why the Midwest? Is Iowa State then in the Big Twelve? Why are they? There? I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. I just think that could be an interesting kind of. Or and, how about isn't isn't uh, Rutgers in the Big Ten? Yeah, an East team. That's more because that that whole Maryland Rutgers thing though has very political ties to it. The only reason they and this is proven because they've said that Delaney has come out and said this that one of the main reasons they added Maryland and Rutgers is because oh we've got some bigger Big Ten alumni in the East and we want to make that bridge for the Big Ten alumni that are in the East so they can watch our games. It's like, to me, the Big Ten's a Midwest conference. Keep the East teams in the East. I didn't like the additions of Maryland and Rutgers. Football, it totally dilutes two teams in the Big Ten East. Now, basketball, great addition of having Maryland in the Big Ten because Maryland's a great basketball team of late. However, that was all, to me, political because, oh, we have some Big Ten alumni in the East. And the reason why I brought up that question to Brandon about Iowa is, and if you want to pause the podcast here, check the link down in the description. I was kind of perusing Cowan Cowherd's YouTube channel before I came up here to the podcast. Kind of like, ah, what did Cowherd talk about? What short clips can I watch before I go record a podcast with Brandon? And one of the things he talked about is his analogy for it was Iowa used a fake ID this season. They were the fake ID in the Big Ten. And you can go ahead, watch the clip, and then come back. But basically, if you're not going to listen to it, his whole thing is why do, why does it say you're 6'5", but you're 5'6"? Why does it say you have blue eyes, but you have brown eyes? And when he's talking about this, he's saying, like, Iowa didn't go out and play anybody in the non-conference, whereas Michigan State went out and played Oregon. They went to Eugene last year. Like he said, who the hell wants to go to Eugene if you don't have to? And part of me is like, well, let's not take anything away from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Because let's be honest. Brandon, did me and you pick Iowa to win the Big Ten this year? Did we pick them to even be in the Big Ten title game? I don't think I picked Iowa to end the season in the Big Ten. I mean, that's how that's how much I didn't have any faith in Iowa. I want to say most of us, uh, most of us, both of us, said Wisconsin was going to win that side of the Big Ten, which didn't happen. However, if you do look at their non-conference schedule, I will say it's not the best. Illinois State, Iowa State, Pitt, and North Texas. However, Iowa State, they're going to play Iowa State because it's a rival. Pitt, to me, is a good opponent. That's a good non-conference game. North Texas and Illinois State, yeah, You don't want to see that anymore. But the thing I will say about that Illinois State game, because Illinois State's an FCS team, 
well, guess what? The Big Ten's not going to be able to play FCS teams, I want to say, after this year. So you're not going to get that anymore. And to me, when I heard him say this about how, like, Iowa used a fake ID, I'm like, they went 12-0. and If you have any problems, have a problem with the Big Ten, that how they stacked our conference. Because if you look at it, who's in the one side? The East is, or as I call them, the Big Ten beasts. You have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Oh, Penn State, that's a good, they're 7-5, and five. that's a good overall record. I mean, Indiana went 6-6. Six and six. They were in games this year. Their Big Ten record probably should have been better than it ended with. The only shit teams you have are Maryland and Rutgers. Whereas you look at the other side of the Big Ten, Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin were the only three good teams in the West. And really, Wisconsin was, to me, at a at a six and two conference record, nine at three, they're kind of eh because we're used to them being better. But Nebraska, they were crap. The only reason why they are as good as they are is because we remember them beating the Spartans. Illinois, I'm an Illinois fan. We fucking sucked this year. Most years. Minnesota, they sucked this year. Purdue, they shouldn't even be a football team anymore. That's how much they suck. I've got a friend they're, who goes to Purdue, who went to Purdue. He says the same thing. They're probably calling Drew Brees saying, hey, Drew, can you come be our quarterback again? Because we need you. We need you bad. So the Big Ten West isn't anything to be just putting your pipe in. And that is Iowa's problem. Why you think they're a fake ID team is because, hey, they did what they had to with their weak side of the Big Ten. And got to the title game. See, I, I see the term fake ID more so if they started out 5-0 and and then just lost six in a row. Now, that could have been your fake ID team. You know, that's where I think that that type of characterization would come in. If Iowa went 5-0 and and they're being talked about... You know, each week for the mm-hmm. first five weeks, like, okay, whoa, like this team looks like it's going somewhere. Then all of a sudden, loss, 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 loss. And they're bad losses. Then we have a team that was trying to fake their way into the bar. But at 12-0, and 0, I don't really think that you can call them a fake ID team. I don't think you can really knock them. I, I don't. I mean, they go 12-0 and 0, and their first loss comes on a very close loss to Michigan State. I I find it really hard to knock them too much. I really do. I give them credit. Well, and I mean, you can say until you're blue in the face, and I would love to hear what you guys out there have to say about this. Go and watch the link. Watch the video. Let me know what you think. Collins really talking about. I got the per, like the impression of it that he's knocking their non-conference schedule, which I'm going to be frankly honest. It's not the toughest non-conference schedule. However, they went 12 and 0. You can't take that away from them. And 
besides some of the game, like if you just looked at their scores this season, they they ran the the Redbirds, Illinois State, out of the water. They completely destroyed the Cyclones. Tough game against the Pitt Panthers. Destroyed the North North Texas. I think they're the Green Machine. Then we get into conference play. A tough, tough Big Ten win, ten to six over Wisconsin. Then Illinois. Yeah, they beat us twenty nine to twenty, but they controlled that game the whole way through. Let's be honest. Then they beat Northwestern, who at the time were like, "Oh, this team's picking up speed." Beats them forty to ten. Then beats Maryland. Closer game against Indiana. Beats Minnesota only by five. Okay, that's a closer game. Destroys Purdue, who's not even a football team at this point. And then has an eight-point win over Nebraska before losing to Michigan State. And one of the big reasons why I feel Iowa lost that game is you can say, well, yeah, Ricky, that's why they lost. The fake ID. They didn't play any tough opponents during the season. And when it came down to playing a tough opponent, they lost. I don't blame that on Iowa. I blame that on the Big Ten. Because the Big Ten has completely overstacked the East compared to the West. And like I said, Purdue and Nebraska were the last two games for Iowa. The last two games for Michigan State was... Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah, they ran Penn State out of the stadium. However, that Ohio State game had some emotion. They were charged after that win. And some could say that propelled them to a win as big of a win they had over the Nittany Lions and their win in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I think that, that that's really big. You can't discount those. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing... I'm not saying that Coward discounted them. I just don't think he gave them some of the some of the respect that they deserved after this season. I know it's early, and this is we're going to get into our Heisman right after this. But the last thing I want to say about Iowa, I want to read read you through their next year's schedule. You ready? Yes. Game number one, home game against Miami of Ohio. Not the toughest of opponents, but at least it's not an FCS team. Game number two. At home, Iowa State Cyclones. Of course they're going to play the Iowa State Cyclones. Then I thought, I might be wrong, it may be the year after next, I thought that the Big Ten had something where they're getting rules against playing FCS teams, but then they got North Dakota or North Dakota State, the Bison. However, the Bison have been a good team. There's a reason why College Game Day has gone. Do I want to say it's Fargo? North Dakota is where North Dakota State is, but probably not the toughest of games. Then they hit the conference where they're at Rutgers. Nah, they'll win that one. Northwestern at home, that's going to be a good game. At Minnesota, based off this year, we can chalk that up as a W. Then at Purdue... Do we even have to talk about that game? A close game, if we're going off of this year, at home against Wisconsin, bye week. Then they have at Penn State, home against Michigan, at Illinois, 
home against Nebraska. So they're playing their same side of the Big Ten. The only difference is they get to play now Rutgers, Penn State, and Michigan. So they get a little bit of a tougher schedule with Michigan and Penn State in there. That's about it. Yeah, you know, we'll have to see what I what I was able to bring to the table next year. You'd like to think, and Iowa fans certainly would like to think this, that they will be just as good next year, just as dominant, and be able to follow up this season and do really well. And at this point, I really don't have any reason to believe that they will not be able to. Iowa, I think, has put themselves on the map in the Big Ten. And now... Colin Cowherd's his comments could hold some weight mm-hmm. if Iowa were to have this great season that they had this year and follow it up with a clunker. Cause then it looks like what a fluke. Yeah, what a fake ID. And no no fan. No player wants it, but no fan wants to say that. After a year where they kept where where fans, I mean, I have a lot of friends that go to Iowa, went to Iowa, and they would say to me, hey, do you know what Iowa is? Yeah, I do. 10 and 0. They're like, yep, they are. So, you know, they had so much pride for their team this year. I mean, they were so happy to be Hawkeye fans. You would hate to see that followed up by a year where the Hawkeye fans are hiding in the closet. So, okay, last thing we're going to talk about today. We've got three names, Brandon. Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Deshaun Watson. We've got two running backs. Well, one I would say running back wide receiver, a running back, and a quarterback. Who wins the Heisman? So if you want to look at it from, we'll go from 2004, okay? We'll go from 2004. It started off with Matt Leinert. We all know how Matt Leinert was at USC. Quarterback. He was very, very good. Then he got into the NFL, and he could have practically had the same role as the maintenance man because he did next to nothing. <laughs> then in 2005. You hate Matt Leinart, don't you? I think he's an asshole. Okay, that's what I thought. And, to, and he does nothing. He does nothing. Now he's on like a. a, a he's a, on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, he, well, he, stupid. <laughs> 2005, Reggie Bush vacated. USC running back. 2006, Troy Smith. Who's Troy Smith? Ohio State. Quarterback. Quarterback. He's with the Ravens still, right? Or was he cut by the Ravens? Who knows? If he's on the Ravens, that's bad enough. 2007, Tim Tebow. Quarterback. 2008, Sam Bradford. Quarterback. 2009, Mark Ingram. Running back. Where? Alabama. In 2010, it was Cam Newton. And then 2011, it was RG3. 2012, the moneymaker Johnny Manziel. In 13, it was Winston. And last year, Marcus Mariota. From 2010 to 2014, it was quarterback. The last running back we had was in 2009. It was Alabama with Mark Ingram. In 2015, we go back to the 2009 days. It's Derrick Henry. Running back from Alabama. Well, and I mean, the only reason I can agree with you is because the quarterback on here, I'm looking at just three numbers on my tablet for the ESPN stats. 67.9 completion percentage, 
1,466 yards passing, 14 passing touchdowns. That doesn't scream Heisman to me. And I mean, Christian McCaffrey, 300 yards, 42 attempts, no rushing touchdowns. And I know what you're saying to yourself, Ricky, but look at what he's done as a receiver. I know. Did you say Christian McCaffrey, no rushing touchdowns? That's what it says on here. 319 carries on the season, 1,847 yards and eight touchdowns. My tablet's with 41 only saying 42 for, 500. for 300. You tell me what yours has because obviously this 42 ESPN for 300 was in 2014, buddy. Yeah, We're looking I'm, at 2015. I'm taking these straight from the ESPN. I just opened up a new tab. Well, you look bad because that's not tell right. Tell me the real numbers. The though. real numbers for Christian McCaffrey, 319 attempts. Over 1,800 yards on the season, eight touchdowns just on the ground, and then 41 catches, 540 yards, and four touchdowns. And then Deshaun Watson passed for over 3,500 yards this year and 30 touchdowns with 11 interceptions. That's pretty impressive. I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm going on a mini. Can I get on my soapbox for a second? Yeah. This is bullshit. I'm on an I'm on an article that was posted what not even an hour ago from ESPN, and you go I you click on Derrick Henry and you click open tabs. How many yards does he have this season, Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry this season, um, I think it was close to a million. He has <laughs> almost two thousand yards on the season. Exact number? 1,986. Okay, now it tells me for Derrick Henry, it's the right number. For McCaffrey, they give you the numbers for last year. I don't want that shit. You want to know why? this year. Because they know who's going to win. No, I know. And I mean, <coughs> the. let's be honest. And the point I was going to make about McCaffrey is, besides the two Trojan games, he just had two great games. That's it. And I mean... Derrick Henry's been doing it all season. Well, let's be honest. He got foreshadowed the beginning of the season until Ricky jinxed Leonard Fournette. Once I got on the Leonard Fournette train, he fell off faster than a bag of bricks. Let's be I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette. I kiss of death you like I did the Trojans at the beginning of the season. But, and Deshaun Watson to me doesn't scream Heisman quarterback. It just doesn't scream Heisman quarterback. Derrick Henry's it. He's the guy. He's going to win the Heisman. There's no question. No question about it. And I mean, after this, I mean, you could say it already, but you know what I'm saying about Alabama? Running back you. That's what Alabama is. The names you listed off. I mean, Trent Richardson was great there. Ingram was great there. Yeldon. Lacey. How many of these guys are in the NFL doing stuff besides Trent Richardson? And Eddie Lacy this year. Well, Eddie Lacy, one year. We'll give him the one-year slot. Yeldon is, I think, it's still early every week Yeldon. I kind of think, I think he's starting to come into his own and then I'm not sure. He had a good but week this week. He's, I mean, he is, he is definitely on a team that is looking up, mm-hmm. and that team is the Jaguars, and that's really weird to say. But... For the most part, I mean, outside of Trent Richardson, who's not even in football anymore, they have been very good. 
And I see no reason as why Derrick Henry wouldn't be. You want to know why? Because Derrick Henry is a big dude. He is extremely athletic. At 6'3", he's 242. To me, he looks like the type of runner that Chris Ivory is. Chris Ivory, he runs you the fuck over. He's not going to go around you. He's going to run right through you. And that's what Derrick Henry is. Try and get in my way, because I will beat the shit out of you. So we're both saying Derrick Henry. You guys tell us down below what you guys think. Who wins the Heisman? Also tell us what you thought about anything we talked about today in the podcast. Iowa having the fake ID. Brandon, go ahead. You're putting the hand up. You're putting the stop sign up. I just want to say, not only do I think Derrick Henry wins the Heisman, I think he gets like 90% of the votes. He's going to run away with it. There's no reason, no offense, to McCaffrey or to Watson. They ain't getting it. If it's not Derrick Henry, I am protesting, and I will. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll protest it in some way. Now can I sign it off? I guess. So that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast. Tell us down below in the comment section what you thought about anything we talked about today in the podcast. Also, there's going to be a special link down in the description. Go ahead. If you love bowl mania for bowl season, go ahead. Sign in with your ESPN login. Fill out a bowl mania for the primetime podcast group. Me and Brandon are going to get ours up by the time bowls start. See if put your bowl pick them knowledge against both Brandon and and myself, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at young underscore swan 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. I want to thank you guys again for checking out this video. Hit the like button, sub button. If you're on SoundCloud, heart and repost this podcast on your SoundCloud pages. I want to thank you for the millionth time for listening to this podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.